So one time um, when I was a little kid, I, I got baptized back in my old church in Denver, Colorado. That's where I'm from. And uh, I had a great experience being baptized for the first time. And um, a couple weeks later, I ended up going whitewater rafting down the same river that I happened to get baptized in with my little brother. And we flipped on our tube and I felt like I was going to drown. And it was a, it was a tough experience, especially as a little kid. And when I look back at it now, it could have been maybe not that bad, but, uh, but at the time it felt like I was drowning and it was just super ironic. I felt like God saved me in that moment because I was a little boy and I was leaning on him. So, I'm Alana Farnsworth, and I enjoy writing all things guitar and drinking my coffee black. I'm Jordan Krupke, and I like spending time with loved ones, baseball, and hunting. I'm Chase D'Agostino, and I like basketball, music, and the Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Modern Story Podcast, Episode 6. Today, we're telling stories about our faith. That was a really ironic story. <laughs> I mean, like, was that like a week after, did you say? Uh, it was a couple weeks, so it was, we, it was in the summer, and we decided we wanted to go whitewater rafting and this guy just set us up with a terrible tube <laughs> getting baptized all over again yeah no i like how you brought in like god saved me i think that's kind of ties in the whole story of you getting baptized and the timing of the story um do you think or how do you think that god brought that together or why do you think he saved you um i just think he was using uh that experience just to like strengthen my faith and show him show me like how being baptized like is it just all uh like flowers and like great things i mean um so it was it was just a tough experience for me and i learned a lot from it things also seem so much bigger when you're a kid i feel like i mean not not that Mm -hmm. it wasn't a big experience but i guess what i'm saying is like when you look back on it it seems like you know such a life-defining moment kind of sounds like my story honestly Let's get started with Alana and her story called Kid in Boots. It's a snowy winter's day, and my withered black Walmart boots slide on the ice. I fall down laughing as I almost do the splits. With my snow plans already damp, and mittens doing almost nothing for the below zero chill, I shiver, picking myself up. My younger brother scoffs. Clumsy, he ta- taunts as we continue down the frozen creek. Look behind me for a moment before jumping over a fallen log that had cracked the ice underneath. The farmhouse is no longer in sight. Above the trees, the sky is the cool color of a winter's day without a building to disturb the landscape. It's a tradition, really. Each time we're at my grandma's farm, we follow the creek through the pasture. We call it a coulee. Usually we have to stop around half a mile because our bare shins are covered in itchy bites. This time, my legs feel decidedly frozen. Hey, Nathaniel, how many miles do you think this is? I ask, catching myself on an exposed t- tree rope before I bruise my tailbone. My winter boots continue to st- slide on the ice. I don't know, he shrugs, his raspy seven-year-old voice coming out surprisingly nonchalant for two kids exploring the woods. At least ten? I laugh and correct him. It's probably more like four. Letting go of the tree root, I consider continue on ahead. Nathaniel struggles to catch up, his faith ru- face ruddy with the cold. Hey, 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 wait up. He slips on his bum, and I try to run on the ice, my boots skidding with each step. Slow poke, you gotta catch up, I call over my shoulder. 
but I don't wanna. I'm tired and cold and hungry and grandma probably made chocolate chip cookies. Nathaniel lets out a low whining sound and I pause. Chocolate chip cookies do sound good. I'm about to tell him that we can turn back after the next fallen tree branch when the ice underneath me cracks and gives way. I let out a rather dramatic yell. It's not deep, but my boots and snow pants are soaked up to my waist. I groan and tell him that we should go now. The first half of my half mile or so isn't too hard. Neither of us falls through again, but my knees start to shake as icy water soaks through my socks. The sky remains unmarred by the unmistakable steeple of Grandma's old farmhouse. This is where I start to panic. I can't feel any my my toes any longer. Spirals into I bet my f- my foot is blue and frostbitten. Whenever we get back to the farmhouse, my toes will be black and need to be amputated. I stop shivering both from the increasing cold and fear. Nathaniel, I'm scared. I expect him to call me a baby or throw a slush ball into my face, but he pauses too, plopping his snow, snow pants clad butt in the snow. And then we pray. It was something I'd see mom do when she was scared. I still didn't know exactly how to pray and I stumble over my words feeling a little silly. But as we both tell God the situation and plead with him to let us get home safely, my mind calms. Nathaniel has an idea by the time we both echo an amen. Mom had packed his feet in multiple socks, each one fuzzy and probably hers from when she was a kid, he explains. He throws the clunky blue boots in my direction and stands up. My feet are hot, he complains. You should wear mine. I nod and prop both of my soaked ones against the side of a snowbank. We both run the rest of the way, two small boots and fuzzy socks hitting the snow in tandem until the stained glass steeple comes into view. How do you, uh, how do you think that uh, experience would have been different without Nathaniel? Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I want to say don't panic in those sorts of situations, but it, I think I would have gotten really scared. I mean, obviously I didn't have a phone or anything to call anybody. So, um, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I probably made it, would have made it back okay. I probably, again, was just overreacting, you know, because I'm a kid and everything seems, you know, a lot, a lot bigger than it actually is. How do you think the boots play a role in the story? Do you think the boots are, like, um, symbolic to something? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that quite a bit as I was, and I, as I was telling the story. I mean, um... My family has a lot with like hand-me-downs. You know, I probably got those boots from, I mean, my mom probably wore them when she was a kid. Um, So almost maybe a symbol for innocence because before that, you know, it might be my first, you know, experience that felt so life-threatening. It might not have been, but it kind of felt that way, I guess. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I like kind of connects back to the, my small snippet of the story how like as a kid it seems a lot bigger but then again it's still very important even to this day to us because it felt big at the time and it's a tough uh like experience as a kid right yeah nowadays uh do you bring like two pairs of socks (laughs) do you you over prepare for when you go on like an adventure or what has that kind of story play a role like later in your life um, I'd say 
I want to say I'm an adventurous per person, but it kind of ruins part of the adventure to try to prepare for it. It kind of like ruins the magic of the moment. It sounds really cheesy, but yeah. I mean, those are really good questions. That, that made me think about it a lot more. Next is Jordan and his story titled Four Appalling Words. Thursday night, I was blindsided by my parents. On a starry night about eight years ago, my parents interrupted me and my brothers while we fell off the ship playing Lego Star Wars on the Wii. They wanted us to come downstairs for a second. As we walked downstairs, we were laughing at ourselves for how bad we were at video games. My brothers both knew that I was the best, but they never wanted to admit it. Once we made it downstairs, I could feel the coolness of my basement floor. It felt so good because I was sweating trying to beat the game with my brothers. As we made our way to the couches in the basement where my parents were sitting, I could feel the presence of the looming tension as we sat on the couch. My dad was in his camouflage-covered recliner wearing jeans and a polo. My mom was on the smaller green couch just to the right of my dad. She was already in her black fuzzy pajamas. As we approached them in our pajamas, we sat on the green couch straight across from my mom. I could tell something wasn't right and both my parents' faces said it all. Now I'm frantically going back through everything in my mind that I'd done in the past few days or weeks. Yesterday, yesterday I aggressively threw a football at my brother's face because he was getting on my nerves. I also didn't do the best on my history exam that I'd taken last week. And I didn't play great in my football game the other day. With all those things racing through my mind, I still couldn't think of anything that I did too bad to bring the whole family together. Chills ran down my spine as my eyes locked onto my mom's face. I could see that her eyes were starting to get a little teary-eyed. I then glanced over at my dad and he didn't even have he didn't have to say anything. Nothing was being said. The two mounted ducks plus the three mounted deer heads were silent. Our basement felt like a ghost town without a tumbleweed because we just vacuumed last night. Now my head is spinning, still trying to figure out what is going on. Then four appalling words were spoken out of my dad's mouth that have changed my life forever. Mom has breast cancer. My heart sank to my toes. My body went numb. I thought, I can't live without my mom. How is this possible? Why my mom? What did she do to deserve this? This can't be happening. What's next? How can I help her? I need my mom. I can't lose my mom. I sat there hopeless, wondering what I could do. I was filled with so many swirling emotions. All I could do was try to comprehend what my dad just told us. The only thing that was said was from my older brother. How long have you known for? Then my dad responded, just last week, we went in for checkups because mom was having chest pain. A day later, the results came back neg negative, but they called us three days later and said that they did, they did a retest, and this time it came back positive with breast cancer. But it's super early, so they are glad they caught it. My brothers and I got up and hugged my mom for a big group hug. We just held each other and cried. It was only a short hug, but it felt like forever. That night, I couldn't sleep. All my thoughts were still racing through my mind. 
The next morning, my whole family was in high hopes. Not much was said as we sat at the dinner table eating breakfast. My brothers and I were eating Reese's Puffs. My dad had his normal plain bagel with peanut butter, and my mom had her Yoplait strawberry-flavored yogurt. We all had faith in God and each other to get through this. We knew we would come out stronger than before as a family. Now, for the past seven years, I've thanked the Lord for my mom every day. Don't take anything in life for granted. Did you find that uh, this experience has helped you take or uh, not take things for granted in your life uh, since then? Yeah, definitely. I, each uh, moment that kind of happens is, I think, for a reason. God puts it in your life for a reason. So. Mm-hmm. When I think, looking back at this story, like, he definitely put this in my life, in my family's life for a reason, and we got through it. So I feel that the reason was just to bring us together or bring us closer to family to know that, like, everything's okay and we've got each other's backs. So so how was that process afterwards? Like, if you're willing to talk about that, what, like, how did, you know, chemotherapy, radiation, all that sort of stuff? Did- yeah, definitely... At the start, it was a lot for my mom going through because she's a teacher and having, she was missing time, so that affected her. And then also the fact that she was going to chemo and radiation, just the effects that that has in your body. She was definitely more wearing down. She was not able to come to my brothers and I's sporting events. So that was hard not seeing my mom in the stands watching us, um, but we knew that she was fighting on a different kind of front. Um, so yeah, I feel that it definitely was kind of a roadblock in our lives, but we were always there supporting my mom and we felt my brothers and I felt that when we were playing sports we were kind of helping her get through that or helping oh, her I like that picture, see, yeah. see kind of the ending or like the light at the end of the tunnel all right do you think that this um, experience has also helped you grow closer in your faith with God I think yeah for sure like I kind of said a roadblock like in those stories when I wrote down those like my thoughts right away like kind of felt like the first person to blame was like God because why like why would he do this to me I can't can't live without my mom um so I feel that I never blame him now because like everything in life happens for a reason so just that like one moment when I was like why why'd you do this to me but now looking back I think that like you were saying I think this definitely has grown like not only in my own faith but my family's faith to realize that we can kind of do anything as a family if we all work together yeah. yeah, I guess my, my family's kind of, um, I don't know, I feel like we, my brother and I argue about stupid stuff, and I think, you know, experiences like that help you know, like, they're on your side and we're, you're tackling it as a group. Yep. Yeah, I feel like our whole family was, like, kind of going through cancer, you could say, because we were all, like, in it to win it with my mom, and we all wanted her to push through, and the best for her, obviously. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a powerful experience. All right, looks, up, looks like up next is Chase and his story, Mountaintops. I swayed in the hammock on the rooftop of the 6-8 Ministries building in Alajuelita, Costa Rica, that morning three years ago. AirPods were in my ears playing the song I'll Give Thanks by Kirby Cable from House Fires. God began to speak to me through the lyrics of the song. 
his voice something so subtle but powerful enough to make me start bawling. I didn't want to cry at that moment in front of all my friends, especially in front of the girl with the long brown hair strumming her guitar that I'd begun to like. Tears began to flow down my face. Raging drivers honked their horns below me in the dirty city, but I was focused on the sunrise in the distance over one of the mountains. God was showing me a beautiful scene to deliver his message. The song began with, In the morning you sing over me. It wasn't a coincidence because every lyric seemed to resonate with me throughout the song. This moment was the climax of my mission trip and my journey getting there. I had been very lonely the past year. I never hung out with anyone outside of school and always stuck to myself. God showed me I wasn't alone through a spiritual experience that is very hard to describe in words. I'd spent the past week serving God by praying for people in their homes and helping out people who lived in the slums. I was in a very tough season of life as I dealt with confusion from my older brother's decisions and how lonely I was, but God showed me his goodness in that moment. He took me through the past year showing me how he was there the whole time. To the others around me, I was swinging my hammock violently on the metal bar making a streaking noise screeching noise as I cried. None of that went through my mind, however, because my eyes were closed facing God. I never cried like that before, but I didn't want to open my eyes. I felt as if I was floating almost in an out-of-body experience. It was so powerful, but very scary at the same time. God then showed me a vision I can still pick out to this day. Three mountains next to each other, the middle one taller than the others. I happened to be the middle son of three boys in my family. I would find out the meaning of the picture God showed me one day when my mom told me she experienced the same vision. She told me God said I would have to lead my brothers back to him one day. I didn't quite understand why that would be the case when she told me, but as, as I've grown, it has become more evident that I will have to help my brothers in some big way. I don't know how it will play out, but this story is a big reason why I pursued Bethel. The best part of the moment was when I opened my eyes to see the three mountains in the distance beyond the city. The middle one happened to be taller. All right, you, you mentioned some songs early in the story that were Im- impactful to you. Would you would you say music has a big effect on, effect on you? Do you, I mean, do you use music as like a coping mechanism of some sort? I would definitely say yes. I mean, worship is kind of my way. I feel like I connect with God the most. Um, so, but it was almost like as if when I was listening to worship, I'd like had an even greater experience compared to when I usually just listen to worship normally. So uh, music has always been like a great time for me to kind of like calm down my mind and right. um, listen to God or even just worship God. Is there like a specific song that resonates with you because of that experience? Um, that one song, especially I was listening to, it was almost like the words, like I said, like kind of like resonated with what I was dealing with at the time. And it was by House Fires. It's called I'll Give Thanks. And I never really liked the song before, but now every time I listen to the song, I really enjoy listening to it. Um, I'd say I really love Maverick City music. Those songs are great and some of my favorites as well. Do you think that being in the mountains played like a big role in the story or being on your mission trips kind of led you to this big picture? Yeah, I would say the whole week I was kind of serving God, not really knowing exactly why I was there, kind of just like I was being obedient, um, but I felt as if I was like, didn't know the full purpose of being there. And so when I was sitting on the 
that rooftop in the mountains that one day like kind of revealed to me like how how like God was being super good in my life and how he was showing me this like vision through the mountains and um it really like opened my eyes up and like showed me what God wanted to say through his nature that he'd created so it was overall just like a great experience so I bet that's kind of what they call like a mountaintop experience if you've ever heard that term before yeah exactly quite literally yeah quite literally (laughs) (laughs) so what have we learned today yeah (laughs) we definitely learned a lot I mean all three of our stories are just very impactful in a way like how powerful faith can be in everyone's story even it's like the smallest way that you or brother gives you a pair of boots (laughs) or you are listening to music that changes kind of your whole perspective on life or some words get told to you that can change your life so i just think how powerful faith is in the smallest ways to the biggest ways yeah i think um definitely shows how god is just with us at all times i mean um it's it's pretty great how you can be such a like powerful god but also loving at the same time in all ways and like in your story jordan when um he allows those like a bad thing to happen but to bring you guys closer to him and to become closer as a family i think that's great i'm gonna be honest i'm i'm struggling with faith right now so um i guess all of these stories had you know a lot to think about because you know you hear about god in some church and he's this you know far off big guy that sits on a throne all day or whatever you know but in like little moments or big moments um he, he might be there when you i don't know get your boots wet or you know you have a big conversation with your family that's hard to deal with yeah, I definitely think we take a lot of things away from this, or all, all, all three of our stories. But we want to thank some people for helping us out today on this Modern Story podcast at Bethlehem University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks to Professor Chris Schaffner, his teaching assistants, and faculty mem- members for maintaining this podcast studio and giving us access to it. Thanks to the writers, such as Professor Scott Winter and Sarah Kaiser, who inspired our stories, and we should thank each other for all of our edits. Look for the next episode of Modern Story Podcast, which is about making light of tough situations. In this episode, listen to Devaney Andre, Grace Counts, and Emma Sima in their stories. And lastly, go tell your family, beautician, boss, dog, and finally, that one obnoxious player on Roblox about the Modern Story Podcast. Consider unblocking your ex-girlfriend from high school to recommend this to her. Catch you all later.